Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is a message brought to our church by one of the men of Moses Lake Baptist Church. We hope that it is a blessing to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Some questions have been asked about this particular pandemic, coronavirus, in the light of the scriptures. So I thought I'd take a few minutes to address it from a prophetical view. Matthew chapter 24, Mark chapter 13, Luke chapter 21. These uh, chapters actually hold for us what's called the Olivet Discourse. This was a time where the disciples came to Jesus and said, tell us about the end times. What's going to be the signs of your coming, uh, of the end of the world? They wanted to know what was coming ahead because they knew that Jesus, being God in the form of man, knew what was ahead. So I want to read in Matthew chapter 24, if you have your Bible, you might have that open already, verses 4 through 8. The whole chapter deals with uh, his answers and their questions, but let's just start in verse 4. Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. I'm glad that Jesus talked often about not being troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Many times he said, fear not. We don't have to be afraid of some of these things, but the the world is afraid, but Christians need not be afraid. You shall hear of wars, rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. That has to do with racial disturbances as well as nations. And there shall be famines and pestilences, that's diseases, like we're seeing, earthquakes in diverse places. All these things are the beginning of sorrows, the beginning of sorrows. Drop down to verse 12. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Now we're seeing some of these things taking place in society and in our world today. We talk about earthquakes and diseases and the love of Christians kind of waning off and people becoming nonchalant about their Christianity. And so we look at this and somebody says, well, is this a part of that uh, situation that's spoken about there in Matthew chapter 24? Another verse we read that fits into this says this, Mark chapter 13, verse 10. And the gospel must first be preached among all nations. Maybe that's what we're seeing here with people going to media and the gospel not just being in the church now, but many churches, almost every church, is using video and and, uh, technology and YouTube and different things to get the message out uh, around the world. A great number of events and signs are mentioned in these passages. Some of these have already taken place, such as the destruction of Jerusalem. That took place in 70 A.D., about 40 years after this uh, prophecy was made. But most of these prophecies in Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21 are things about the future yet to take place, such as the Great Tribulation, the Battle of Armageddon, The physical return of Jesus Christ was called the second advent or the second coming of Christ to come and set up his thousand-year millennial kingdom. The book of Daniel gives us a general outline of human history. 
It includes some things that will happen in the end of the age. Ezekiel talks about it, and he talks about Gog and Magog in chapters 38 and 39. And many of these events and signs, and here's a key, are presently in the making. We can see an increase of rumors of wars and wars and earthquakes and pestilences and famines, these things taking place around the world. Just since January 1st of this year, over 4,200 earthquakes over the strength of 4.0 on the Richter scale have been recorded just this year. Famine is a very serious problem in many parts of the wor world, and it's worsening day by day. People doing without food, starving to death. The CDC reported that 56 million people have contracted the flu virus in the past six months. Get that? 56 million. And over 62,000 have died right here in the United States from the flu in the last six months. Are these signs of the last days? Well, let's take a minute and talk about signs. Most of us who drive, we've learned to pay attention to signs. <laughs> signs are important. Most of us have <clears throat> made a wrong turn or decided where well, we're just going to ignore a sign and spin to our own demise and if you have a wife and you're driving in the car, oftentimes she has words to say about that. But anyway, uh, these signs, they give directions to us. They provide warnings. As you're going down the highway, some of them just tell information. Here's a good place to eat or pull in here. What's available at the next exit? Three things about signs. I'll look at this real, real quickly. Number one, signs are intentional. Signs have been put there on the side of the road for several reasons. Somebody wants you to know something important, and they view this as important, so they put a sign up. Secondly, signs are instructional. They are intentional. They are instructional. City limit signs, speed signs, ladies, pay attention to that, exit signs, caution signs, sometimes detour signs, services signs. They are informational. They tell you what's coming up ahead. Maybe it's a something good, or maybe it's danger. So we have to watch for signs. And then signs are invitational. They are, they are giving an invitation. They're trying to get your attention and to cause you to make a decision. Hey, slow down, or pay attention, or this is the last chance for gas, or there's good food up ahead. And so we pay attention to these signs. In similar fashion, God gives us signs. He has given signs down through the ages, but we see it in the Old Testament and in the New Testament as well. And he gives you and I personally signs along life's highway. Maybe tonight's sermon is a sign to you. How many times has God's word spoken to us and given us signs about things in our own life that needs to be changed and varied? There are signs down through the highway of human history. We need to pay attention to these signs personally as God gives them to us. They are warnings. It might be detours in life, but whatever it is, these are signs are there for our good. Now, prophetically speaking, <clears throat> there are no signs or events that need to take place concerning the rapture. The rapture is the time when Jesus Christ comes back for his saints, and every believer, every born-again Christian will be caught up together to meet him in the air. 
and so shall we ever be with the Lord. We read about that in Thessalonians. And so that coming of Christ for his saints in the rapture, there's no signs. That is what we call imminent. It could happen at any moment, at any time of the day or night, without warning and without any notice. It can take place. There's no signs preceding that. It could happen before this sermon is over. But there are signs in regard to what's called the second coming of Christ when he actually physically comes down to this earth, sets his feet upon the Mount of Olives, destroys the armies of the Antichrist, and was called the Battle of Armageddon, and sets up his 1,000-year kingdom on earth, the millennial kingdom. Now, signs for that take place, and that takes place during, or excuse me, at the end of seven-year period called the Tribulation Period. So we have the rapture of the saints, ushers in the seven-year tribulation period of all these pestilences and earthquakes and the wrath of God. You read about it in Revelation, the seven seals and seven bowls and so forth. And then we have Christ coming back to the earth with his saints, and he overcomes the Antichrist and sets up his millennial kingdom. So let's take uh, one more look at this thing uh, about signs. Another fact about signs. They are intentional. They're instructional. They're invitational. Another thing we notice about signs is that we begin to see more and more of them the closer we come to a destination. My family and I, we've traveled a lot, and as we travel, <clears throat> I have uh, four children, one in heaven, but three here on earth, and we take trips. And on these trips, uh, when we take road trips, whether it was just for a few hours or for a few days or whatever it would be, we would play a game we called the ABC game. Many of you play it when you travel. And you look for words on signs that begin with the letter A and then B and then C, and you keep going, and whoever completes the alphabet first uh, they win the game. Of course, the letters J and Q and Z, those are pretty hard to find as the first letter of a word. And so as you're traveling, you'd often go across a place where there's no signs at all, no signs for miles, maybe a little mile marker here or there, and <clears throat> you, you watch for those signs. But as you get closer and closer to a city, the number of signs become tremendous. You can see signs everywhere. It's kind of a disadvantage for the driver. I was usually the driver, and there'd be all these signs. Everybody's catching all their letters and so forth. And that's why I only won about 95% of the time, because I was a disadvantage. Well, anyway, uh, it was a fun game, and we'd play it. But the, the object here, the point I want to make, the reference is that as we got closer to the actual town, more and more signs would show up. And as we get closer and closer to the actual second coming of Christ that occurs seven years after the rapture, there are more and more signs of his coming. An important verse is found for us in Luke chapter 21. And this is a key verse I want us to look at for a few moments, and then we'll be done. In Luke 21, this is my main thought tonight. Luke 21, we'll see this in just a moment if you want to turn there in your Bible. During this change in the chaos and the confusion that's going off in our country, many questions have been asked. Uh, uh, the World Health Organization, CDC, they've been asked questions. Our officials, our government officials 
our leaders are under suspicion, even the virus itself, who started it, who caused it, a lot of questions about it. Some question, one question that comes to mind people ask is, is this one of the signs or one of the end-time pestilences that the Bible talks about? The answer to that is no. The pestilences of revelation, those diseases there are far worse than the coronavirus. In fact, the Bible tells us that one-fourth of the world population will die from those coming diseases. But what we are seeing in this time is what we call a precursor of those days. April 3rd, 2018, the USA Today contained a, an article and they talked about this. It was called Nightmare Bacteria. Nightmare Bacteria. These are bacterias that are drug-resistant and they are bacteria that can mutate very quickly to avoid drugs. Nightmare bacteria. That's just two years ago. Notice the Bible verse found in Luke 21, 28. Look at it now. When these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. What things? Well, all these signs, all these uh, tribulation events. When these things begin to come to pass, the Word of God continually encourages us and instructs us to look up. He instructs us to look at God at all times of our life, in every circumstance, whether it be personal, family, at work, financial, or even worldwide type things, uh, problems that we're facing today. We're told by the Word of God to keep our spiritual eyes on God. Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews said this, looking unto Jesus... <clears throat> the author and finisher of our faith. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> We're to keep our eyes on him. We're not to be so concerned about the circumstances. Remember Peter walking on water? He was walking on water while he was looking at Christ, but then he looked out and saw the waves and the wind boisterous, and the Bible says he began to sink. When we get our eyes on circumstances and off of the Lord, that's when we begin to get into real trouble. But if we'll keep our eyes on the Lord and recognize that, hey, he's in control no matter what happens in this temporary life right here, he's in control and we're going to be with him as Christians. We'll be with him for eternity. He's in control. That's a foundational fact that you need to have in your mind and heart. God is in control. Now notice this verse again, verse 28. And when these things, here's a key word, <clears throat> begin. When these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. What we're seeing today is not the pestilences and the uh, uh, hardships of the tribulation period, but we are seeing a precursor of that. We're seeing a stage being set up. The coronavirus is not one of those pestilences mentioned in Revelation in the last days. Think about how much anxiety, chaos, and concern this pestilence is causing. And during the tribulation period, it will be magnified many more times, hundreds of times worse. 
Add to that other disasters, both natural and disasters, earthquakes like the world has never seen before. The world will be totally devastated, and people and governments will be in disarray, and the world will welcome somebody who has the answers. And we know what the Bible says about that. Someone who seemingly has all the answers will come on the scene, the Antichrist, and the world will welcome him as a world leader. So we're experiencing now what I like to call the stage setting time. Whenever you go to a play or something, there's before the actual play, they have to get everything ready. Even here in filming and getting uh, ready for a service, we have to get everything ready. You know, there's workers that are behind the scenes that you don't see, you don't know about, but they are doing work in preparing for the main event. And that's what's happening with all of these things we see taking place today. These are not signs that are mentioned concerning the, the return of Christ, but they are setting the stage for his return. We are living now in some changing times. Even after this epidemic is gone, things will not be the same. We won't see some of our conveniences quite the same. <clears throat> we won't see uh, our freedoms quite the same. We'll cherish our freedoms more than we have. Hopefully, we'll view church with a new respect, that we want to be back in church and how important it is to congregate together, to come together. Christ started the church for a purpose. Sadly, some politicians will kind of like this new taste of power that they're feeling at this time. So things will never be quite the same as it was. So what's the point of this message? <clears throat> Pastor Fountain preached the other night on uh, the fog. Thursday night he talked about how we need to see through the fog, that we can see through the fog as we keep our eyes on the Lord. And uh, for the Christian, I want to give four quick thoughts. Number one, we see what's going on in this world today, these signs and so forth that we might visualize as being stage setting. We see it as a warning. We see it as some precursor signs of Christ's second coming to the earth. That means that the rapture is that much closer. You see how quickly God can change things in the world? Look what happened. This virus came in and quickly everything changed. God can do that in a world scene. So it's a warning. Secondly, it's a reminder. It's a reminder to us that we need to always look up and lift up our heads. When it says lift up our heads, I think it means be encouraged. Man, we don't have to be worried about all this. We can look to Jesus and we can be excited about his coming again, about being with him for eternity, about all the worries and depression and aches and pains of this life being over. For the Christian, we have a home in heaven waiting for us. We're re realizing that our redemption from this earth is drawing nigh, especially as we begin to see these things come to pass. Songwriter said, this world is not our home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Another songwriter said, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. The things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Well, we see it as a warning. We see it as a reminder. We also notice, thirdly, <clears throat> it's a challenge. This presents a challenge to you and I as Christians. We need to recognize that time to reach the lost is short. 
our time to witness to our friends, our family, and uh, tell people about the glorious gospel of the salvation of Jesus Christ, that opportunity to give the good news, to spread that good word to people around us. It's drawing short. An Old Testament verse says this, the king's business demands haste. We need to get busy for the Lord. It's a challenge to us that we need to work while it is yet day, for the night cometh when no man can work, Jesus said. We need to be busy for God. We need to pray more, give more, attend more. We need to uh, witness more. We need uh, more of God's word studying. We need to get involved while we can because his coming is close. And fourthly, I see this as an encouragement to us. This too will pass. Perhaps like a kidney stone, somebody said. It's kind of painful, but it will pass. We'll get through it. We need to watch, look around, and learn from the experience that we're facing today. We need to see that God and understand that God is not wasting this particular uh, experience on us. He is using it to grow us, to help us to learn, and to help to better us for his work and his service. Someone has stated this, perhaps because of all of the new media and online services, just perhaps the gospel was heard by more people in these past few weeks than ever before. Did you think about that? People who've never come to church, but they'll turn on the TV channel. They're looking for answers to their questions, so they'll begin to search the internet. They'll watch YouTube. They'll pick up a service, a sermon, a devotional, and they'll see and they'll hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. And the gospel of Christ is being uh, sent around the world through the medias that we have. So this can be encouraging. Let this isolation time, this time of self-isolation, let it be a time of growing closer to the Lord, listening to his voice and preparing ourselves and determining in our heart that we're going to do more for Christ as we're able and the day approaches. When we have that time to be able to really get out and again knock doors and hand out tracts and invite people to church, we're going to do it harder and more Uh, intensely than we've ever done it before. After all, as a Christian, our affection should be set on things above and not on things of the earth. We must always have an eternal view of things, an eternal value, saying that the most important thing around us is the souls of men and women and boys and girls who are going to last for eternity, either in heaven or in hell. Finally, Maybe there's someone watching today and you're not 100% sure of your salvation. Let me tell you about the greatest pandemic in the entire world. It's called sin. No one is exempt. It affects every man, woman, and child in the world. Everyone in the human race is affected by the pandemic called sin. No one can escape it on their own. There's only one cure for your infection of sin, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Sin is a cause of death. Listen, physical death is separation of the soul from the body. And the body is there and entered into the grave, but the soul is gone. It's absent from the body. That's what death is, separation. 
But there's a spiritual death, and that is separation from God. When the soul is separated from God, that's what Jesus talked about and God mentioned back in uh, Genesis. When he said to Adam and Eve, the day ye eat thereof, ye shall surely die. Their soul died. They were separated from God. And the Bible says that without Jesus Christ, we will be continually separated from God through eternity in a place called hell. The cause of death is sin. If you don't like, listen, if you don't like this short time of self-isolation, then you're certainly going to like not like being in hell isolated from everyone forever. Hell is forever. Hell is without any hope of reprieve. Hell is separation from God, separation from family, friends. Hell is a terrible place. Hell is worse than any description you've ever heard, worse than anything you can ever imagine. And it is forever. But there's good news. It's called the gospel. The Bible truth is no one needs to go to hell. There's a cure. The good news of Jesus Christ that the Bible holds for us. You can escape the punishment of hell. And you can escape the wages of your sins and be cleansed from your sins and forgiven. Because Jesus Christ, God's son, He took your sin and my sin, the sin of the entire world upon himself, and he became, if you will, the antibody. He became the cure for the disease of sin. Jesus paid the penalty of our sin when he died on Calvary's cross, and he proved his victory when he arose from the tomb. The Bible says this is a gospel, how the Christ died for our sins and was buried and rose again for our justification. He proved that he is over death and over the grave, that he has power to save. And he offers you and I a pardon from sin and a pardon from its punishment. If we will only believe, trust in him. He offers it to you today. If you're here and listening and you're not 100% sure that heaven is your home, listen, God wants you to be saved. He wants you to spend eternity with him and not suffer the consequences of sin and be separated in hell from him forever. The question is, will you trust him? Only trust him. Only trust him. The Bible says we need to trust him. It's not the church. It's not baptism. We as Baptists, we believe in church attendance and giving and baptism. But all of that, none of that will ever get a person into heaven. All of that is things that we do after we've made a commitment to trust Jesus Christ personally as our Savior. You can easily admit you're a sinner. We all can admit that. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's not hard to admit I'm a sinner and admit that I need forgiveness. And we need to prayerfully then ask God to forgive us of our sin. If you've never done that, you can do that today. Ask Jesus to be your Savior. Trust him and what he did for you on the cross. Jesus is the only cure for your sin And listen, he is just as available. That cure for sin is just as available as prayer is. You can pray right there where you are. In your mind, in your heart, you can call upon God and say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I believe Christ died for my sin on the cross like the Bible says, and he was buried and rose again. And God, I confess that I believe that, and I ask you to forgive my sin, and I accept you today as my Savior. 
Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.